Hi, Rue. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing today? I'm good. We're on episode 13. Unlucky for some. Unlucky for some, but hopefully it'll be our best yet. (laughs) It's bound to be. We're both sounding awake. Yep. Well, let's see what happens. Indeed. We should introduce ourselves. I'm Rue Reynolds. I'm the father of a 14-week-old little boy called Oliver. And I'm Nick O'Leary, and I'm father to a three and a half year old called Toby, and an almost eight week old called Lauren. And what have you been up to this week, Nick? Well, this week I've been off work, a week at home, um, just doing stuff. Toby's been Very in nursery nice. a couple of days. Yeah. One of the things we've been doing recently is getting our spare room redecorated to become Toby's new room. Oh, is he changing rooms? Yeah. So he's he's moving from what has been the nursery to the spare room. Now we can get the nursery set up ready for Lauren. Nice. And what have you been up to? This week I've been enjoying still taking Fridays off of work. Uh, and today with our Friday, rather than going to the zoo, we went back to the hospital for a thing called birth afterthoughts. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. What's so that? It's, a, it's a thing that um, they offer at the hospital. I think I think quite a few hospitals do it. Where if you've had a fairly traumatic birth... Uh, or maybe even if you've if you've had a perfectly normal birth that you just want to talk it through afterwards, they have a midwife available for up to an hour, and they'll go through your notes. They do it in some detail. Right. I think it was mentioned at NCT classes, um, and when we were checking out of the hospital after our stay there, as listeners to episode, whether it was episode one or two, I can't remember now, but, you know, early episodes. Yeah. We'll remember Rachel had preeclampsia and it was all quite medical and all quite scary. So it seemed like a good idea to go back and and talk it through and and a chance mainly to ask any questions Mm -hmm. that we still had. Um, And for Rachel, especially with the preeclampsia, that that was largely about asking things like, uh, what are the chances of of it recurring in the future? Right. Which was great. It was really reassuring. Um, It was brilliant to relive it all. Mm. Um, a really useful session, really nice to talk it all through, um, to go back through pretty much minute by minute, reading through the notes and, and having somebody who knows what they're talking about explain what it meant. Yeah. You know, so at, at this exact time, your blood pressure was this high and the doctors were worried about this and all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was it was really useful. Yeah, no, I, that does sound really good because I mean, with Toby, it, it wasn't anywhere near as... as traumatic as that you guys went through but there was still I remember at the time just a slight urgency in some of the actions and went, and the room started to fill with more people and there were just a few things during Toby's birth that I'd be, I'd be interested to go back and just find out what that was about hmm. but um, I don't know if, if we were offered at birth afterthoughts type session as, as you were. But yeah yeah I, d- I don't know if it's um, if it's offered after cesareans or whether it's you know anything where a lot of intervention was used but yeah yeah it it was definitely mentioned before we left yeah Yeah. no I'm I'm really glad we went and anyone who's come away from a birth with with questions and obviously for both parents a useful thing potentially Um, and yeah we're we're really glad we went We, we came away with any you know niggling fears or doubts that that we'd had completely cleared up and yeah it was it was a really good good session great Uh, We've had a question on Twitter from Matthew White, who asks, with Easter coming up in a couple of weeks, 
what to do on a wet weekend in Easter holidays. I don't know whether he's seen the long-range forecast or whether he's just pessimistic about <laughs> about the weather. Well, of course, Easter's in a couple of weeks, but a lot of schools broke up today for their Easter holidays. Oh. Because the actual Easter weekend is very late this year. Yeah, so the next two weeks are, are school holidays. Ah, so when he says Easter holidays, he's thinking of, of from right now. now. I, yeah. I was just thinking of the bank holidays coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Ah, okay. In that case, it's a more pressing concern, and uh, and they might very well be wet weekends. Um, in the past, we've talked about the zoo as being a good place uh, to go when it's raining, because there's generally some indoor bits and pieces. What are your other go-to places when the, when the weather's not so good? Certainly when Toby is smaller, sort of the go-to place is your local soft play centre. Hmm. It's um, each one is a little instance of hell on earth. I think is <laughs> is how I consider them, but they are these rooms, these barns full of soft play equipment, slides, things for the kids to climb all over. And you basically you go in, take their shoes off, and release them. <laughs> and, and and these are custom designed places. I'm I'm probably sounding really naive here, but I'm I'm not familiar with the idea of a soft play centre. Yeah, do you, do you remember from from your childhood, um, yeah. Pat Sharp's presenting Funhouse? Funhouse, it's a whole lot of fun. There's prizes to be won. That's the one. Imagine that, not quite on that scale, but right. it's that <laughs> sort of climbing frames, padded climbing frames. Oh my goodness! Big slides, ball pool, ball pits, all that type of stuff. But they're indoors. Most of them have a little cafe attached to them. A lot of them, though, seem to sell absolutely the worst fast food. You know, you can imagine you know, burgers and chips and things like that. But that said, funnily enough, right next to Marwell Zoo, that we've, we have mentioned a few times... We have. We're quite there, fond of Marwell. There is the Marwell Activity Centre. And I that's on the, same, on the same road, is it? No, it's the next turning. OK. Anyway, it's there to be found. I don't know if it's affiliated with Marwell Zoo at all, but they have actually a really nice cafe as part of their soft play, which does freshly baked goods and and it's a much nicer experience. Uh, At what age are kids welcomed in? Is there a height restriction or is it done by, like, you have to be over a year old? What's the, at what point will this start being a thing in my life? I think it'll start being a thing when you've got crawling and things like that going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some will have specific baby areas which are for ones who are just about crawling and maybe cruising along and then yeah it goes all the way up to I don't know how old I mean I guess we'll keep going until they tell us to stop um, <laughs> until you graduate to paintballing yeah we haven't been for a while I, I part of me wonders if we've we've have actually outgrown them now yeah so they, they can be quite a hellish experience particularly on a wet weekend I imagine they fill up. They they fill up, yeah. We've typically gone when we've been away on holiday, out of school holiday, so they haven't been so busy during the day. But So that's an almost recommendation for what to do on a wet weekend. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, I think every parent will get to know their local soft play centres just because they're an easy choice. Interesting. Okay, um, I definitely don't have any other tips for Matthew other than the pub, I suppose. <laughs> we've, been, we've been trying the pub. Uh, and that's been working quite well, actually. We've been a couple of times now, and Oliver sits quietly in his in his pram, tends to fall asleep. 
our favourite pub, the White Star Tavern, as mentioned in a previous episode, has uh, on a Sunday afternoon has live music. It's never so loud to be a problem, and uh, yeah, it's a nice, nice place to sit and have some food. Yeah, we went on uh, on Mother's Day actually, uh, which was last weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was nice, nice little treat. Get out of the house. Actually, funny you should mention Mother's Day. Listeners would have noticed in the show notes I, I did mention it was our Mother's Day special last episode that we completely forgot to acknowledge Mother's Day was happening. We utterly neglected it, didn't we? Yeah. I'd like to hear from any new dads out there. Did you forget Mother's Day? Because if this was the first time your partner is a mother, mm. you could have completely just missed it. Yeah, and I think we should mention that we forgot to mention it on the programme. I haven't asked you yet whether you forgot, but I, I was not in a position to forget. Rachel pointed out to me several times in the run-up to Mother's Day that she was a mother now. <laughs> Yes, no, I, I'm well practiced from Toby for making sure things happen, and I have to say this time round I went beyond my usual slightly lackluster efforts. So mm-hmm. there, there was, there were flowers, there was a gift, there were cards. It suddenly helps Toby at nursery comes home with handmade cards and a picture frame. That's good. So does he know to give them to you quietly, or does he give them to her? The staff at the kindergarten hand them to me when I pick oh, Toby up. Oh, clever. Just like they would hand over all, you know, whatever painting he's had to have done that day. Right. So on this occasion, I sort of snuck them into the house and hid them because the, it was a few days before. Very nice. Yes. Conspiracy of uh, Mother's Day presents. I like it. So, yes, new dads out there. Did you remember? What did you do? How did you get out of the doghouse when you forgot? Yeah. We've had some more follow-up from last week as well. Uh, we talked about buggies a fair bit, and we talked about the uh, the problem of losing balance in the buggy and, and taking things out, and then the buggy falls over because you've laden it down like, uh, like buckaroo. And uh, Peter Turner got in touch on Twitter and pointed us at a rather interesting invention, some weights, some ballast that you attach to the, the bottom of the buggy to help with the balance. Uh, and they're called something like My Buggy Buddy, and he wondered whether anyone had had uh, had any success with that. Looks interesting. I imagine I'd resent adding any weight to the buggy, <laughs> anything that's going to make it yeah. harder to push up a hill. I mean, the product page does describe them as it's an ingenious and simple buddy weight pack. It looks like a bag of sand to me. Yeah, it has a slimline and discreet design, which I think is, is a benefit. But you can't deny the fact it's going to solve that problem of the shifting balance on the buggy. But you're right. It seems counterproductive to add yet more weight to this buggy. Although, you know, sort of combine it with, with going for a jog pushing the buggy. You know, it's all sort of resistance training, that type of thing. That's true. Cardiovascular. Yeah. We've had another email from a listener from Richard Gascoigne who got in touch around the Gina Ford book that I mentioned, The Contented Baby's First Year. I think he's he's sort of brought in the, the that counter view that I was I was hoping we would get, just just to show there are two sides to it all. He says he knows a few people who have tried to rigidly follow Gina Ford's methods and they ended up pretty miserable as there is meant to be no deviation from the routine at all. Sometimes it's good for your kids to be able to be flexible. Mine would have missed out on loads of things they have enjoyed if they had been home for a certain routine. We looked at loads of parenting books and came to the conclusion that while most had a few good tips, they were all a little too sure of themselves. My personal favourite is Your Baby and Child by Penelope Leach. So it takes the, try this for a bit, and it might work, and if it doesn't, then don't beat yourself up about it, but try this instead approach. Interesting. I hadn't heard of that one, but I'd definitely heard similar things about Gina Ford, that she's quite rigid, and that 
you can either take it with a pinch of salt which you always get the impression that she might not agree with. Yep. Yeah, I think in the past you've talked quite pragmatically about it. You've said that you've you've learned some things from it, but you haven't tried to follow it to the letter. Yeah, I, I think it, it's given us some guidance and some cues as to what to try to do for a routine. But I, I don't think we've, we've beaten ourselves up if we've had to break that routine for something or if, you know, we, you sort of knowingly deviate from it because, well, frankly... Yeah, as Richard says, sometimes you need to be flexible just to be able to enjoy life with your child. Mm. And that said, good friends of ours swear by it and live by it to the letter, and yeah, right. and wouldn't hear anything bad said about Gina Ford. Yeah, maybe it just comes down to how much flexibility you want to leave yourself, mm. and people who don't mind really rigidly sticking to a particular routine and you know bending everything else in their lives around that. If that works for them and that makes everyone happy, then then that's great. Yeah. Uh, and other people who are you know less prepared to throw normal life out the window and maybe need need to leave a bit of extra flexibility. And yeah, I don't know. I, I guess everyone's different. I think it's a really interesting discussion around this. And if you're there shouting at us for 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 talking about being flexible in routines or anything we're saying, get in touch because you're hearing our views on it, but we want to hear yours. So do get in touch. You can email us podcast at beardydads.co.uk. And we're on Twitter as at beardydads. Beardydads! Talking of books and recommendations, we had uh, a tip from Michael Robinson, who emailed in to recommend two books by the same author, a guy called Mark Woods, Pregnancy for Men, The Whole Nine Months, and Babies and Toddlers for Men. He says, both books break things down into chronological order for you, so you can dip in and out of the pregnancy book, depending on how far along you are. The main reason why I enjoyed this book over others is it doesn't seem to indulge in the cliches which can surround dads and pregnancy. And I can back this up because I've been really enjoying uh, Mark Wood's Pregnancy for Men. While Rachel was pregnant, uh, somebody recommended this. It may have been our theme writer, Wes West, may have recommended this book, actually. Um, And yeah, it's really good. It's funny. It's got some really good common sense tips in it. It's got some things which will help dads be... Uh, be popular with mum. Uh, there was a couple of a couple of tips of things that you might want to get, uh, and it worked really well for me. I have to admit, I didn't really go looking for for any books targeted for dad. But there's that part of me that I've, we've had our two children, and yeah, we've, we've no plans to have any more. Are you going to write a book, Nick? I'm not going to write a book, but I'd be interested to see what these books say, mm. and you know what what did I miss? But also, this part of me that's kind of putting that stuff behind me now. Yeah, I don't know. I can see that from your point of view. You don't. You don't need to read these books anymore. Well, certainly the uh, the pregnancy one. If if that's not something you're expecting to to be going through again, and even if you did, having done it twice, what else could possibly happen? Well, that's it. But I wouldn't want to take for granted that I know everything. I think again, I've said it before. I think we prove on this podcast we are not experts on this stuff. No, we're definitely not. The thing I remember from from the pregnancy, the tip that I particularly took from the uh, Pregnancy for Men book, was about halfway through the book. So he he does it week by week. About halfway through, he says, if you want to be really in with mum, if you want to get some brownie points, get a wedge pillow and surprise her with it because she'll really, really appreciate it. And it worked like a charm because at the time, Rachel was finding sleep was more and more uncomfortable. And this, this wedge pillow, I got a fairly small one, but I think they come in a variety of sizes. But yeah, something that helps helps mum sleep a bit more comfortably at night. Definitely big brownie points all round. And that's really a nice idea, sort of 
buying those sorts of things, just sort of demonstrating you're your, you're there and you, you you're sympathetic to to your partner's needs. I'm, yeah, I didn't think to do anything like that. We've got. You didn't read any fucking books. I didn't read any books. That's my problem. Um, in terms of pillows, cushions for for pregnant mums, and we we've got a couple. One is a quite long, thin pillow, with imagine no stuffing in like the middle, like thirty centimeters. Mm-hmm. So it's got two cushions, but with a fabric join between the two. Joined up. How long is this in total? Oh, about that wide. About um, that wide, right? <laughs> and for radio. Uh, and for the radio. It's only slightly wider than your normal pillow that you're sleeping on. Okay. Because it's got the no stuffing in the middle third, shall we say. Mm-hmm. It's quite good for for Joe to lie across, and that can support the bump. And if she rolls, it's sort of oh, on nice. both sides. Okay. So I'm imagining it sort of laterally across your back, and then as you roll sideways, you've got a nice bit of support. Yeah. But it's not, it's not getting in the way behind you. Yes, as the mm. as the bump comes around. Interesting. Um, and then we've also got um, something with Lauren. At that point, we then had the breastfeeding cushion, which is like a horseshoe shape. Oh, those are great. Yeah, they're really comfy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As a dad, it's actually a really practical cushion shape for when it's you're a on. nice cushion. Yeah, yeah. I, it's um, it's like a big neck pillow. Yes. Um, and for breastfeeding, you can, as a as a mother, you can wear it around your your belly. And then it supports your arms and lets the baby rest on you. That's it. But equally, pretty nice around your head. Yeah. And it can be really inconvenient when you're nice and comfortable and it's time to give the baby a feed and you've got to give the pillow up. (laughs) You just need another one. Yeah. Certainly when Jo was pregnant with Lauren, she used that from time to time as, again, it's another interesting shaped cushion just to try and get comfortable and support anything Mm. that needs supporting. Crazy dads. We always, on this programme, seek your contributions and we love it when you send in recordings of yourself asking questions or giving tips or advice or whatever it may be. This week we've had two different contributions from people on the subject of swimming. Darren Shaw has been in touch. Hi Ru, hi Nick. Um, I swim a lot and there's often babies in the pool and I was just wondering, what's the etiquette with taking a baby in the pool? I mean, do they have nappies on? I I don't know. It just seems slightly dangerous and maybe slightly inconsiderate to the other swimmers um so yeah have you taken um either oliver or sophie no sophie not sophie lauren who's sophie um have you taken either oliver or lauren swimming yet and if you have what is the etiquette in um how they should be dressed so we haven't taken lauren swimming yet but we we did with toby not as much as we wanted um but we did a few times uh so darren Yes, they wear a nappy. You can get special swim, uh, swimming nappies for babies that are designed slightly different. They don't necessarily absorb like a normal nappy does because if they did absorb liquid, it would just soak up the whole swimming pool into the nappy and that's really <laughs> look. They are quite absorbent. So this isn't a outer layer then that you, you use to protect a normal nappy. This is a totally separate entity in its own right yeah so i mean they are special nappies i think they are slightly sort of snugger fit around the leg to try and stop any leaks at all Um, but they are a different material they don't absorb a water Um, so yeah you've got to kind of assume that does let certain liquids out just you know if it's not absorbing water then it's got to go somewhere Um, (laughs) but i think the main thing is to try and keep any of the solids or the not so solids 
that babies produce. Mm. Very well contained. So they do wear nappies, Darren. Often there will be a special baby pool. And I've, I've always wondered, do they have extra filters on the baby pool or not? <laughs> um, but that those pools typically, you know, it's just like a foot of water, no more. Yeah, very shallow um, for, yeah. Yeah, for splashing around. So we haven't taken Oliver swimming yet. I'm really looking forward to it. One of the reasons we haven't is obviously he's only halfway through his, his uh, vaccinations at the moment. He's had his uh, eight weeks and his 12 weeks uh, and 16 weeks will be coming soon. And I've definitely heard in the past that you have to wait until all of that's done before they can go swimming. Yeah, so that that's one I'd, I'd heard before. But in fact, as as I understand it, um, there is there is no requirement to wait that long. Often swimming pools are quite chlorinated. So that actually means the water is pretty um, clean and sterile. So you don't need to worry about infection from the oh, swimming pool. It's no worse than walking around outside. Yeah, and perhaps with that chlorine, it's probably... Yeah, better if a little sore for their eyes. But yeah. so uh, some say you should wait till they're about six weeks, six week old. But suddenly there are there are classes that will start from six weeks. Sometimes it depends on, for example, if if the mum had a cesarean or any other sort of intervention, mm-hmm. they might need to wait a little longer before they're happy going in the water. But there's no reason why dads can't take. Um, the baby in, in in those circumstances. So interesting. Okay. Um, well, I'm a- adding this to my to do list then. The bit we struggled with, not you know, we weren't regular swimmers ourselves. Mm. So, um, the first few times we took Toby, it was the practical aspect of how you cope with going swimming and getting changed with a baby if you're by yourself. Oh yeah. We never quite fit it into a regular routine, which I kind mm. of regret. But um, trying to do it a bit more often now with Toby, um, definitely want to try and get get a bit more regular. Partly as a me and him activity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the other side of it. You know, just have Saturday mornings or something. He and I go swimming whilst whilst Joe spends some time with Lauren. That type of thing. Um, yeah, nice nice dad thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Talking of logistics and sort of practical matters of, of swimming, Graham White's been in touch again with another question for us. Hey Beardy Dads, Graham here. We took our baby son Ben swimming last week. He was well, 10 weeks and one day old at the time and um, we were obviously a, a little bit concerned about how it's going to go, what's he going to think, is he going to cry, you going to have to sort of be really embarrassed with everybody looking at you in the swimming pool. But um, uh, So... Did it on a day off when I was at home and um, sort of one quiet Wednesday afternoon went into the local swimming bath and and took Ben in and um, got him changed and did all that kind of stuff. And we kind of realised when we were in there that we had no idea what we were doing, really. Obviously, we wanted to to get Ben used to to the water and swimming and everything. But then it's like, well, how much do we expect of him? He wasn't crying. He seemed to be, um, as far as you can tell, at least, you know, relatively okay with it. Pretty, pretty much enjoying the situation. We thought, do we try and get him to splash? Is it okay to put water on his face? Do we get him to kick? You know, how how much are you expecting of your ten-week-old baby? Obviously, realistically, that's that's not very much at this stage. All we wanted to do was take him in, for, take him in for 10, 15 minutes, and just get him used to the water spent about 30 minutes all told in the pool which um, having come home and read about a few things like that it seems to be that's about the maximum time they recommend for babies of this age anyway so um, seems we got that bit right but then the overriding question to dunk or not to dunk 
I, I've always been led to believe that babies have a uh, natural um, reaction to being dunked, that they cope with it remarkably well. I've seen an album cover which seems to suggest they love being underwater. <laughs> or maybe that's only if you put money in there. I mean, there's some really slightly disturbing videos on YouTube you can find of swimming schools in the US to teach babies how to swim mm. in case they fall into their swimming pool at home four, five, six-month-old babies in these videos, not quite being thrown into the pool, but being let go of in the pool and mm. just watching them instinctively roll onto their back and start kicking and... Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, you can imagine in the US where they have swimming pools, unlike in this country, you know, in your back garden in California. Um, it, it must be a real issue with yeah. the kids. There must be some natural tendency to be able to cope with being in water at that such a young age. So when it comes to dunking or not dunking, I think you've got to dunk, really, haven't you? It, it's it's not going to do them any... You, you know, you're not holding them under. You're just, just giving them a quick dunk under. So on your first swimming trip with Toby, was it full dunking? Did you, did you go total immersion or was it more splashing the face and seeing how he got on with that? I think it built up to doing a dunk. I mean, to begin with, it was just getting used to being in the water and you know, splashing a bit. And yeah, I I was certainly nervous about dunking. And it, you know, it took me a while to build up the courage to do it. Yeah, because I can imagine. For everything you've heard about their natural reaction to not breathing underwater, it's another thing to have your child in your hands and, and <laughs> <laughs> to have a go at it there and then. But no, he cried afterwards, but I, I can kind of understand why. But um, yeah, he didn't. He wasn't spluttering or, or anything like that. So mm. I see no reason not to dunk. In part, you've got to dunk. If if you want to have a baby who is used to the water and is gets on with it and is happy swimming, then you just need to get over it. You just need to get them dunked, get them used to it. Because um, you know, if, if they don't like getting their head under the water, then you know, they're not going to get on with swimming, are they? So, yeah, maybe um, getting used to it early is going to mean less nervousness later, maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so, um, as I said, we haven't done swimming yet. Um, we've, we have done baths, though, and in the bath we're getting increasingly brave about splashing Oliver's face with water, mm. holding a wet flannel above his, his face. And I, I, it sounds horribly like waterboarding when I put it like that, but, you know, <laughs> just... I, I don't mean smothering him. <laughs> I mean yeah. splashing water onto his, onto his cheeks and then onto his nose and his lips. Uh, and generally, after a minute or so of that, he'll, he'll let you know when he's had enough. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's definitely, uh, yeah, it must be slightly stressful. And um, I, I wonder if the reaction to being actually underwater is different, because definitely with, with a wet face, there's uh, only so much of that that he wants, really. No, I, I can understand that. Yeah, same for me, to be honest with you. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't like it if you did it to me for too long either. Yeah. I'm looking forward to swimming now. Maybe another thing for a wet weekend coming up, talking about uh, talking about things to do at the Easter weekend. Yeah, embrace the wetness. Nick, for the first week ever, we have no new reviews in iTunes. Well, that's not a problem, Ru. But of course, if you are enjoying the podcast, do leave us a review. Uh, we, do, we do like to hear what you think of us. We do. Uh, and... Of course, thank you to all our contributors in this episode uh, and everyone else who's been tweeting to us and about us this week as well, including Peter Fletcher, Tim DP, Dave CJ, Kenny Dobson, Nathan Delgano and Rob Grundle. And of course, thanks to Wes for the theme tune. And we'll be back this time next week. Good night, Rue. Good night, Nick. Good night, Nick.